Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. We're so excited to have a special guest here today. Some of you know that our congregation here at New Life in Northwest Arkansas uh, supports many organizations, but one of them that uh, we support is this great organization called Rafa International, and we have brought in one of our new friends, Patty Fancher. She happens to be on the board and has served on staff with Rafa International for how many years, Patty? Well, um, I'll give you a little backstory. Okay. So in 2007, I was actually working for Christ in Youth. Uh, I was a director on the Engage team, which does the our mission trips globally. And March of 2007, Stephanie Freed, mm. uh, the CEO of Rafa International, invited a small team of women who were involved in ministry to go on this trip to Cambodia with her. Oh, wow. And that trip literally turned my life upside down. Number one, I did not know anything about human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So there was information overload as we were all educated. And particularly, I think Stephanie was intentional about inviting some women who they had their own story, a story of survival, Mm. uh, a story of abuse that could be shared with these girls to encourage them, to uplift them, to inspire them. And so when I came back from Cambodia, I would be shopping in Walmart or Target or wherever I might be, and I could not stop talking about, did you know that there are even children that are being trafficked? And that was also true at CIY, because once I returned, again, I could not stop talking about it. And as a result, um, just being intentional and persistent, um, the next year, CIY and Rafa formed a partnership, and I was privileged to lead the very first CIY team to Cambodia. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you remember or not, but as a result of that trip, We took a documentary crew Mm. from CIY, and they filmed the documentary, Bought. Mm, So that is a currency in Thailand, a currency that men, particularly in the capital city there, Mm. uh, that they use to purchase girls. So that film then was shown at CIY MOVE conferences that summer. And as a result, during offerings across the country, students, high school students raised $46,000, which was the seed money then to start a second aftercare campus in Cambodia. Wow. Wow. So you've been involved for since 2006, 2007? 2007. Kind of a bridge between your time at CIY and then moving into Rafa International. So, well, I mean, that is... Wow, that is crazy. It's super exciting. And then a few years later, I was honored and privileged to be invited to serve on the board. Okay. 
And I retired from CIY, first person to ever retire from Christ and Youth. <laughs> and That's awesome. 2018. And then a month later, went on staff with Rafa, where I just retired from Rafa this spring. So oh, good. And you still went s- back on the board. Yeah, I was so say, it's like a totally board. revolving door constantly. <laughs> I, think, I think the bottom line is it's been a part of your life for a long time. <laughs> Now, when you get in ministry, you you know, Joe, your dad did this too. You go into ministry and you retire and then you're back into ministry my, two seconds later. Yeah, well, my dad <laughs> said, so true. my dad was a pastor for 50 plus years and he yeah. said, you never retire from the ministry. You retire from local church leadership, but you never retire from serving the Lord. And it and, sounds like you as well have seen you get to be a part of it and then you take a step back for just a second and go i still need to be part of this somehow well, that's awesome well before we get too far into this let's not assume that everybody listening to this right now understands what rafa international is um, or what you do or the work that they do around the world so could you just for those that are newbies are like mm-hmm. rafa international what's that i just tuned into this podcast and they're talking about now what is that could you give our listeners this is what it is, as best you can. I know it's maybe hard to define it down into one <laughs> sentence, but what is Rafa International? What do you do? What's it all about? What's it for? So Rafa, this actually, 2023, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary. Mm. So relatively speaking, we're a young ministry, uh, having only been in existence for 20 years. So just started out as a small little safe house and it has grown over the past 20 years to be we have uh, two safe houses in Cambodia one in Thailand and then one in Haiti so we transitioned from being Rafa House to Rafa International when we started adding additional aftercare campuses and I think a lot of people who we know here remember Rafa House and, and oh yeah so I still have fight I still call it Rafa House and I need to retrain <laughs> it's myself it's Rafa International Rafa yeah. House now it is Rafa International correct yeah yes. that's great so um, we are not the you know the SWAT team that goes out and actively busts down doors and brothels and that sort of thing. Instead, we usually receive girls through referrals, mm. and so they come to our aftercare campuses. And what happens there is, you know, they receive an education, counseling services, and uh, an important step is vocational training so that they have skills when they are over time reintegrated that they can have a sustainable income and just be you know contributing solid members of you know their culture their society mm-hmm. so um, our our campuses have 24 hour, you know security they stay there 24 hours a day they live there. And um, we have house mothers and counselors and educators that are um, just pouring out daily, mm-hmm. you know, to our girls. And mm-hmm. it's so inspiring. And I, I think especially with my history and my investment in Rafa International, that I have been privileged to have a front row seat and 
hold girls who maybe had just only arrived at a safe house a month before, and they are craving the arms of a comforting mother, Mm. um, someone that will just protect them. And then to see them maybe seven years later, that they are the very arms of Jesus, Mm. and they are comforting someone new that has come to our safe house. So, I mean, that is so powerful. And, you know, we all have our story, and every day these girls, their stories are being rewritten. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that before we're done with this podcast today, you can share some of those victory stories with Mm -hmm. us, you know, some of these ones that touched you or just stand out in your mind, and that will really help you know, our audience understand, you know, the more practically, this is what happens. This is the transformation that takes place in somebody's life. But so, so, so you'll get a referral for a girl and then does she come willingly or is it more like this is where you're living for the next year of your life? Or how does that, how does that work? How does that relationship get built? I mean, is, is that trust that trust? Like, obviously, yeah, that's a great word. I mean, I would imagine the children that you start to work with, it takes some time to build that. But but how do they, obviously, it's discovered there's a problem. And then is it the government? Is it private organizations? Is it individuals? They just bring them to you and say, please help us. We have nowhere else yeah, to go. Usually the referrals are through like law enforcement from another NGO. Mm-hmm. Um, IJM has a field office in Phnom Penh. So they've been a trusted uh, referral over the years. And a good point, Joe, you know, a lot of times the girls, if they have been uh, in a brothel, most likely they've been drugged. So they, a majority of the time, might still be under the influence, so aren't even fully aware. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, so it's that fresh. Sur- it's like, it, it sounds like it could be same day. It could be very, I don't know, same day, but a short, yeah. a short uh, time frame. Yeah. And um, I think trust is just built over time. Yeah. So what what age what age do you take what age of girls do you take into the homes? Yeah, there's no there's, there's no, no limit. limit. Okay. There have been very young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there one year, there was a, a little girl that was only like four years old. Oh, wow. The average age would fall between like maybe nine and twelve. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, it's young. We're talking children. Yeah. Children. Little kids. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, one of the reasons why Rafa has been part of our church and what we've supported for a long while, it would be one of our more global impact ministries that we support because it's not here, but we know that that's happening here. We know mm-hmm. things like that. Does Rafa International have any part in the states right now at all and what impact they play in the states? Uh, that's a very good question. So we do not offer domestic mm-hmm. safe houses or campuses. However, we are very intentional and broadcasting the story of, Mm. you know, sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. human trafficking. 
So I would say uh, a big part of our uh, intention is, especially I've had the privilege of speaking on college campuses across the country where just educating students of what to look for. So education and prevention is a big part of our dialogue. And locally in Joplin, just um, this past year, we have launched a Hope and Healing Center. And that is for um, children who have suffered extreme trauma, Mm -hmm. not always through trafficking, but just in broken family relationships. So trauma after care is very much uh, a part of our DNA Mm -hmm. and and just reaching out and helping. But, you know, the United States uh, trafficking here looks much different than it does internationally. And maybe we can get into the face of that. A little later, if yeah, you would like. Yeah. Well, before before we get into that, I just have one more question. Like, so a girl comes to your, your the home there. What what's a typical day look like for her? Like, what what are some of the things you're purposefully doing with that girl, and how to help her heal? Obviously, um, teach her about the Lord. All that's like, what's mm-hmm. what's what's a day look like for her in a in a Rafa house? That's a good question. So the girls they go to school. And um, so, again, you know, the education is an important piece of their sustainability. So education, counseling services, and just building relationships right there on that aftercare campus, not only with their caretakers who are mentors as well as counselors and teachers and house mothers, um, and they're, they're learning skills, even their daily living skills of this is really what's normal is, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of your, this is your bed, this is mm-hmm. your space, and learning to uh, appreciate that and care for that. And just build those building blocks of um, just daily life and interacting, whether it's playing sports outside, um, Sundays, we, we have a church right on campus, so, mm-hmm. you know, they go to, you know, Sunday school, church, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's really amazing to see. So they're really trying to create a family, and at one of our aftercare campuses in, um, in Thailand, we have um, revolved into, it's more of a cottage setting instead of a dormitory-type setting where you have multiple rooms and bunks. Uh, These girls, it's meant to um, be more of a family unit, so they'll have a house mother and maybe eight girls share that cottage. Okay. And that model then is being duplicated now in Haiti, too. Wow. You know, um, my first, like, awareness of anything like this, it's not the same thing. But when I when I was in college, uh, for about a year, I worked at a at an organization that where um, up in Missouri, where children were taken out of the home, usually because of trauma in the home or a lot. Some of what you're talking about that happened as well, uh, but it wasn't just that the kids may have gotten in trouble. And a lot of times we don't; these kids don't come to this home until until 
they are in trouble. You know, that's what usually is what flags it. Mm-hmm. But um, but they had all the kids broken up. They had a school there on this on these grounds. They had the kids broken up in different houses, gender based houses, and and it was a secular organization. It was like a uh, it was not uh, the government would send these kids there. So I wasn't working with anything with a Christian based or anything like that. But but for that year, I was one of the supervisors in the home. But like, and I'm gonna be very clear. I didn't necessarily work with the children. When I say supervisory, it was more like you know, watch the monitors, make sure they don't get in trouble, make sure the kids get to where they're supposed to go. I didn't interact with them in the sense of, you know, other than just normal household banter Mm -hmm. kind of things, Um, very much boundaries and everything. But one of the most moving things, like it messed with me. Mm -hmm. It absolutely messed with me for a long time because what I had to do is one of the house supervisors, I had to read all of the charts. And in that chart is all of these children's backgrounds, all the things that led them to being in this place. And it was so hard to stomach. Like even to this day, I can, I, I, I can. Um, some of these stories still stand out in my mind mm-hmm. of how dramatic, of 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 traumatizing they'd have been through. So, the reason I bring that up is, I was so ignorant before yeah. that, mm-hmm. and that was stuff happening around the United States, mm-hmm. and it's that exposure to these kind of things that's that's a tough reality pill to swallow for a lot of people that that I obviously was never exposed to that or dealt with that kind of trauma in my life but there are these children that are now 3 feet away from me that have experienced the most heartache heartbreak abuse that you can imagine and and here we are sharing the same space mm-hmm. and and knowing that they've been through so much and I, I bring that up because that for me that was my first whoa, light bulb moment of such the brokenness in this world. And I imagine you've had those light bulb moments too of the brokenness, the darkness, the evil. And and I think people got a taste of that with this movie that came out here a few months Sound ago. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. What are your thoughts on that movie? I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it. <laughs> I've um, seen it, what, yes. What, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't asked you specifically about that already, but what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that movie? Was it a good thing, bad thing? Mm-hmm. Is it accomplishing what they thought? Well, um, I think the biggest thing that Sound of Freedom is accomplishing is just more awareness, yeah. uh, which is a big thing. So um, I've had numerous friends that have reached out to me since that was released. And um, more than anything, it's just sparked yeah. you know, interest and um, want people wanting to know, what can I do to be involved in? Uh, so I think across the board for you know Christians, non Christians, the um, the topic of social injustice mm-hmm. is, is huge, and um, you know education is just a a huge part of it, and just awareness uh, as especially um, as parents, your children. We have so many that. You know, have a lot more freedom, I think, than I know certainly that than what I grew up with. And so, to be aware when you go to the mall, to be aware uh, when you're on social media that you're not sharing, you know, where you're at, who you're with, and what you plan to do next, mm-hmm. because by doing that, you you are making yourself a, a target. And the United States, we have a huge population of runaways, mm-hmm. and therefore it makes it really hard to define numbers of how many children 
um, especially, have been trafficked. And the perpetrators look a little different in their grooming in our country than they do internationally. So to answer your question, I think the biggest thing is education awareness. It's sparking conversations that you can dive into like in a small group or at church or Mm -hmm. you know even in your own neighborhood so at at work yeah um, that's what i see the biggest thing that has occurred i'm surprised how many people i heard and i may have been one of those that did not want to see the darkness in that movie and didn't want to like face the reality that that's actually happening in our backyard, in our, in our town, in our state, in our country. And in a way I've, I kind of feel like I wasn't forced to go, but Joe was like, Hey, let's go to this movie. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite remember it. Like Joe Kirsten is, has to drag me to a movie. Kirsten anyway. is not a movie goer. I, I, I mean, she's not my first like, Hey, let's go to a movie. Uh, no, I'd rather go like, miniature golf and so we can talk and then go to a coffee shop but and I'm like no so, let's go to a movie so like, let's go to a movie but I knew that was not going to be a feel good movie and a lot of times we want to feel good about something especially when it comes to like entertainment or something obviously this was not for entertainment purposes it was for educational purposes it was for the person who is living under a rock and not realizing that this is a problem in our world. And so it, it did open people's eyes. There are people who still have not seen it, who need to see it, who I will say, please go see it. Please allow yourself to spend that two hours to just be challenged. In well, and to be ang- I think there's some value to being angered. Yeah, and and moved, because I think that that's one of the things that this movie did was create a little bit of a stir, both sides. A little. A lot of a stir, both sides. Um, Somehow, I found out that it was, people felt like it was political. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is not a political issue. There is no reason why a child of any age, you mentioned a few different ages, um, that we could turn and say, oh, this is just politically driven. This is not. And that's what was heartbreaking for me is to find out that people were, um, how challenging it was for them to even get this into the theaters for people to see it. (laughs) And so what... I will say this while you're trying to say that some of the (laughs) maddest I've seen Kirsten in a long time is she has a family member who, um, who may be listening (laughs) (laughs) who, and I'll just say this very nicely. And I I don't want to paint anybody in a bad light, but we're offended by the movie. Um, who, who thought it was all political propaganda, right wing hearsay, like, you know, creating a problem that didn't exist and basically just said, it basically just was almost a denier. I would say it was a denier that this was the problem that they are, they are claiming it to be. And of course we're just like, are you kidding me? And so what would you say to somebody like that? That's like, nah, that no, that's all just political. It, was fake. it wasn't it, real. Right, what would you say to that? 
it is not fake news. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll say. It should make every single citizen uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone should be concerned that you know this darkness is happening, and it is real. You can check statistics that. Globally, there's like 27.9 million slaves mm-hmm. in the world today. Mm-hmm. That's that's Unreal. more slaves than we've ever had that's, in the history of human mankind. Me. Yeah, and that so you know broken down. There's like the miners, but you know human trafficking, except you know itself is 27 million and. That might be labor trafficking, land bondage, sex trafficking. It can have several different faces depending on the country, but it is very real. The well, I call of, them predators, yeah. not perpetrators. Predators because it just it's so so evil, and it is globally the second highest organized crime. Mm. So only after drugs. Mm. And that's real. Yeah. And, and it's ruining people's lives. You know, they are as long as, you know, they can make money, they're going to make sure the commodity is there. The commodity mm. is our children. And one of the phrases, their thing for the movie was children can, should not be bought. It's God's children, not for sale. Yeah. God, there there you go. Thank you. Hey, good Good recovery there. Um, I got your back. I think it's a good thing we do this thing together. (laughs) I think that um, one of the things you had said is that it does not always look the same here in the States as it does in other countries. And I think, um, you know, the Sound of Freedom portrayed an instance, you know, uh, this is how something has happened before. Um, it was based on a true story. I don't think all the details in the movie were, um, a hundred percent. I think it was a conglomerate of incidences. They kind of mesh into a story, but, but as you said, like in our country, it's going to look a lot different because our country is different than like, like you said, Cambodia or another country. Um, So I think that what is something from that movie, like what is some kind of action? I know people were like, okay, what, what now, what should we do? Because it is one of those that's not seen. I mean, it's kind of, you mentioned drugs, like we don't see it regularly. Our our kids have it at school. They see it everywhere, but it's not just, you know what I mean? Same with the sex trafficking and exploitation of kids and human trafficking what is something that we can do um, partnering with rafa international is something that that new life has done um, financially we can contribute to help fight um, that but what is something else that we could do okay good question so uh, a few things <clears throat> Especially if you would uh, love to partner with Rafa International as New Life is doing. Um, One of the biggest things, again, is prevention. Mm. So, for instance, in Southeast Asia, uh, you have a lot of vulnerable communities. Strong families make stronger communities. So... um, we have a prevention program where 
you know, sponsors, they underwrite the, the costs for a child or children to go to school. Uh, so getting an education, getting their school uniforms and supplies and having a counselor assigned to their family, a community worker, and um, just other uh, joining together uh, at a specific location where they can go there after school. It's a safe environment where they learn about Jesus. And so as that grows in a community, um, others can be involved by either sponsorships or doing community projects. So maybe it's sanitation stations. Maybe it's a specific education project where you have tutoring for students after school, you know. So that that's one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think... The biggest thing, too, is prayer, Uh, just praying for um, each safe house, for each family, for each child that um, God will just rewrite their story, Mm. and it will just be a beautiful story that um, we'll we'll see later in His kingdom. Mm. And... So those are some specifics. Does that help? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think I think everybody wants to know, well, what can I do? And I think that was the, like you said it well, Kirsten, that's the response a lot of people has. Like, well, let's do something. Yeah. And, and you know what I was angry about when that movie came out? And I was like, my, I mean, on my way home from the movie theater, like I went out into my car and I looked up uh, Rafa International on Facebook. Oh, yeah, this and, is interesting. And I shared your page. The Rafa House, the, or the social Rafa, media page, the social media page, the Rafa International page, mm-hmm. and then I just made this statement from the movie: "God's children not for sale." Hashtag Rafa International, and I shared Thank your you. Facebook. And you know what really ticked me off? And this is where I think, this is where I think I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and he I'm not now, but he is now. But you know, people always claim, well, the algorithms on Facebook are meant to sh- to suppress certain information and this and that. And you know, I, I got to thinking how much they said it took five years to get that movie released. Nobody wanted to carry it, and and yeah, if you stay till the very end of the movie, and, he shares this stuff. Yeah, and I think that um, yeah, in the, at, at the during the credits, end, yeah. and and how it sat in a can for five years, and like Netflix, Prime, Hulu, all of them came out and said we will never allow this movie to be on our platforms. There was a whole lot of, so all that's in the back of my mind. And so I share, I was moved by the movie. I shared Rafa internationals and, and when I do a post on Facebook, usually there's a good response. Just being the pastor of the church, people give it a like, you know, there might be a hundred or 200 likes on stuff that I post. And, um, and I don't say that at all. I know it's lame. It's lame for me. That's really good. <laughs> that's joking. that's I'm what joking. I normally say. Over a hundred people will like it. There'll be a number of comments typically. A post like that should have had hundreds of likes. It should have had many comments. It should have just from our church family. Yeah. Did you know that over like forty eight hours that post was up? I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I remember going. How is only ten people like this? Um, and, and what that, yeah, will you look it up, Kirsten? It up. If you look it up, just scroll down. I don't post a whole lot on social media, but, um, that's you'll, concerning, but, it but I, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, something's wrong because this 
because I think I did a hashtag sound of sound of freedom hashtag rock. rock. No, I shared the Roth international and I hashtag sound of freedom yeah. and I'm going Facebook isn't allowing this to be seen. Like, wow. like, you know, like a normal post, if yeah. you're doing a dog video, you're going to get hundreds of likes and it lots of views. The hashtag, I believe it was. I the think hashtag. the hashtag shut it down. Like they didn't want, and I'm going, Very how is this, few people how is this possible it. that, and so in my mind, I'm sitting there going, maybe there is something to what everybody's saying that maybe these big, you know, Facebook uh, and Instagram and all of that stuff are purposely, you know, their algorithms shut that out and they don't let it be seen by much. Cause I'm thinking as hot as that movie was, and as many people were talking about it and outraged over it on both sides of the, a post from me only gets like 10 likes of something that huge. I know that may sound like a little arrogant. I don't mean it's not arrogant, but I'm going, something's well, off yeah, here. It's not meant to be arrogant. It's meant to go, hold on a second. This should have generated a lot. Facebook is definitely. Did you find it? No, you post a little bit more than what you thought. No, no. My Facebook feed is filled up with your stuff that you tag me in. I'll stop tagging you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But isn't that weird? It's it's really it's it's weird and it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking yeah. because I think more than anything else, it should have sparked just a deeper understanding of human trafficking and should make everyone want to rise up and be mm-hmm. an advocate. Oh yeah, to fight against such an atrocity. And that was what was so confusing for me because it, it did obviously it. I just found it. Yeah, July sixteenth. Do you have thirty five now? I got twenty five likes. Okay, twenty five likes. likes. And, and I was one of them, so really twenty four. Twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty four likes. Four comments I, and two shares. I'll like it as soon as I leave. Okay. <laughs> Make them feel better. If you're hearing this, please go like it, share it, post it. No, I think that's what was interesting because it did. It it, it was a movie that that moved you to want to do some kind of action and and sharing it was the challenge from the end of the movie. Hey, will you share this? Will you pay it forward? Will you pay for someone to go see it who can't? Because it was not necessarily about anything else but awareness. Because we do live in a very sheltered, a lot of us live very sheltered lives and are not aware of the situation. And so, so this was a way I feel like you probably were moved to, Hey, I want to help spread this awareness. We went and saw this movie. I want people to know about it. And then Facebook, as they always do, these lovely things, um, was able to find a way if you apparently probably because you use the hashtag. God's it just felt like there was some funny business. Yeah, I, well, like, and I believe that that's happening. But that's what's so confusing, I think, to me is why is there this, except for what we know is true, that Satan is always going to work against what God's doing. And so if God's allowing this movie to be spread and just completely take off after they fought for five years and then people are like, so I think um, I think there was definitely some what what you called funny business. There's some funny going business on, on, and for it to to hit a, a wall every time. Yeah. So. Well, Patty, obviously you've been over. You've been out of. You've been in the other countries. You've seen it firsthand. Is there any stories that you can or things that stick out in your mind? Like, you know, like what an incredible victory story this young girl turned out to be. 
where you like all the sacrifice, all the effort, all the energy, you know, it, it mattered here. And, and I set that up. I want you to think about it for a minute. Cause if you can think of a, of a, an example, but what comes to my mind is that story about, um, about the young man. It's a very familiar story. I think every preacher has told this story before he's walking down the beach and all the starfish have washed up on the beach and he's picking up starfish thrown, thrown in there. And one by one, there's no way he could ever get to them all. And somebody comes up to him and is like, why are you wasting your time? They're all going to die on the beach. You can't make a difference. And he picks, and he just ignores them. And he goes, no, seriously, what, what are you doing? And, and he just keeps throwing starfish back. And finally he says, well, it made a difference to that one. Maybe I can't get them all, but it makes a difference to that one. Yeah. And I think about the size, the enormity of this problem. It is much larger than what one organization can accomplish, you know. Um, but I think, like that illustration, it matters to those, you know. I don't know what the answer is other than Jesus is the answer to this problem. But the it is so overwhelming in numbers Mm -hmm. and so here's Rafa International making your mark with the few so what are some of those starfish you've thrown back the ocean that matter to them what are some of those stories you asked the wrong person because I could tell you stories until the cows come (laughs) (laughs) well it's like I am a story person writing a book so oh are you really you met your match you and Joe well hey I I love people have told me that for years you need to write all those stories down so beautiful um is there one that stands out that you wouldn't mind sharing with us so there's two that stand out, but um, depending on how much time we have, but it's a podcast. We run it. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> We're sitting in the car listening right now. Bring it on, Patty. Uh, Bring it on. So I mentioned on my first trip in 2007, there was a, a young girl on that trip that, after I shared my my testimony that um, this young girl, she had not been at Rafa very long. She was maybe about eight years old then, um, that she just came over and sobbed her heart out mm. on my lap. I I mean, I was just not only drenched from the tropical humidity, <laughs> but I was drenched with her salty tears, tears. Uh, on my chest. And she became like my girl, not mm. that in the sense that I owned her or anything like that, but we had a heart connection. And um, my late husband and I then wound up, you know, sponsoring um, this young lady. And so just a, a few years ago, this beautiful girl grew up at Rafa mm. and she was reintegrated and she got married. Aww. And I happened to have a uh, team in Cambodia. She wanted to know when I would be there with a the team because she wanted me to help give her away Aww. at her wedding. Oh, wow. So wow. to see her Kim's story rewritten. And right now she's got this devoted husband they're involved in ministry wow. in Cambodia they recently um, had a little baby girl this coming January I will be leading another Rafa International a medical team 
to Cambodia. So wow. my hope and prayer is that we will be able to to reconnect yeah. and visit with Kim, and I'll get to actually meet their little baby girl. Oh, neat. So there's so many stories. You have wow. time for one more story? Absolutely. Yes. When I took the first CIY team to Cambodia, Rafa International does what this is such a beautiful thing. They do a welcome party. Mm. So you take a team and the girls often they'll just sing some traditional songs in Kamai. They'll do some traditional dance. And this particular evening for our team, they performed a skit. Mm. I have to collect myself to tell this story. It's very emotional. So, and it's so fresh because this happened in 2008. So mm. all this time in between, and it's still so fresh. Mm. But that evening, our team learned the harsh reality of sex trafficking. Because as the girls performed the skit, it centered around the lives of two sisters who were living at Rafa. And it went back in time to when the older sister was actually trafficked by her mother. Hmm. And this happens sometimes where through manipulation, maybe an aunt or someone will say, hey, if I just take my niece to Bangkok, she can learn restaurant management or she can learn a new skill, skill and then come back home and help contribute more money hmm. to give the family a better life. So this young girl was sold by her mother, trafficked into Bangkok, and she had not been there very long, and she was actually put in jail. Hmm. And I don't remember the exact duration, but I'll say like eight or nine months she was in jail before she was released. And when she came back to her village in Cambodia... Her home was gone. It had been burned down. Mm. And she learned her mother had died. Wow. So virtually, this young girl is homeless, and she doesn't know where her little sister is. Rafa rescued this the older girl who had been trafficked, and she was at their safe house. And when she explained that her little sister was missing... They sent a team out looking for her sister and found her on the streets just begging and so brought her to our safe house. Well, you have to understand, as these girls are telling this story, they become very emotionally involved. And at first, our team, we don't know if these tears are part of the drama mm-hmm. that is unfolding yeah. or these are real tears. Mm. But then it becomes evident they are real tears. Wow. And even the girls that are sitting in the audience with us for this welcome party, they all begin to cry. Before we know it, there's a hundred <sighs> girls crying. We're crying. And Honestly, for the next hour, all of our teams, sometimes we had three girls on our lap at the same time, just trying to comfort them. 
and just being mothers, being the arms of Jesus to these girls. So, again, the redeeming and the transformation and God's grace and goodness is going back years later and seeing these same girls. And they're out laughing and girls being girls, and they are around the world. (laughs) They can be sassy and messy in Cambodia just like they are here. But just to see their lives transformed and made new was a beautiful thing to see. That's beautiful. So they did a skit where they acted out their own personal trauma. Yes. And in a sense, relived it. And I'm just wondering, and I'm just thinking out loud here, if there is something healing about it too, mm-hmm. as they do that, sharing the awareness, but also knowing they're not in that anymore. I don't know, but I can understand, like just hearing you say that, the emotional of the motion of it. I can't imagine. Well, yeah. and that, I mean, as having a sister, like knowing that you're, you've lost everything or feel like you've lost everything and to not know where she is and then to have them go out and find her and then be yes. reunited. Yes. Yes. And That's tagging on to that, um, like what you were saying, Joe, a critical part of um, counseling and aftercare trauma care is there's so many different forms of trauma care and it can be like art therapy and it can be dance interpretive dance Mm -hmm. and those things where through expression Hmm. it brings healing to the crippled person who Mm -hmm. has suffered yeah Mm -hmm. wow well those are incredible stories and i'm sure when your book is written yeah you're serious are you serious about that book or you i'm I'm just serious but you are working on a book okay but it will not include stories right. of you know to protect our sure, absolutely. Sure. stories like that. But God's stories, yeah, like in sure. my healing of my own abusive childhood, mm-hmm. and it's going to be it'll have funny stories sandwiched between it, but it'll also have you know God's redeeming stories. And um, the title is Prelude to Joy. And so it's like all the heartbreak and, you know, our lives are just intermingled with sorrow and joy, sorrow and joy all the time. And so how God, you know, just brings all that together. But when we are in heaven, it will only be joy. This is the prelude to the joy we'll know in heaven. Absolutely. Well, Well, Patty, you have been a joy to talk with today, (laughs) and we just really appreciate First of all, your ministry, um, you. the investment in what you've done from, um, it sounds like for years and, uh, people will be in heaven because of the yeah. work that you and got it, to it be It probably caught with. you off guard. It's not like you, uh, set out to be, um, an advocate for sex trafficking on the road. It just, your worlds just collided. Happened. Isn't that the way happened. that happens sometimes? Yeah. It was meant to be that I would be on that first trip, you know, with, yeah like-minded women in ministry, and God did all the rest. So he just kept opening doors, and um, most people that would know me uh, see me as more of like just a peacemaker, but boy, you 
start throwing some injustice, especially to children, in mm-hmm. my face, and I am going to be the, the your lion strongest comes out. advocate. Yeah, yes. coming out. Mama bear comes out. <laughs> well, if you were to say, you know, you, you've mentioned, we asked the question, how can people in church get involved? You'd mentioned prayer, of course, and obviously there's financial contributions that we can make, and and uh, there's exploratory trips that people can go on. But mm-hmm. is there something you would say? If there's one thing that I wish every average Christian sitting in the pew would know about what's happening around the world, I would love it if they had they just knew this. Is there is there an answer to that question? Because you know I think in a lot of ways we're all pretty ignorant. Sometimes we only see what we want to see. This is one of those things that does exist in the shadows, and we're not confronted with it yeah. every single day. And I think that's why when that movie came out, people were outraged. How can this be happening? And people like you're saying, you could say. It's been happening for decades. You're just not aware of it. Is there something that, what would you say? I just wish the average churchgoer sitting in the pew would know X. That's so tough because it's hard to articulate it into just like one concise word. And I just keep coming back to um, just making ourselves more aware of not only the individual that's sitting beside you in church, Mm -hmm. because often we don't even know their story and how they could be hurting and need a hug. But then those on the other side of the world that, you know, we're in the comfort of our own homes and they don't even have a home. They don't have a family. So I think trying to have a global mindset and a worldview that you're not limited to just your own comfortable surroundings, but you're constantly trying to be educated and more aware so that you have a voice mm-hmm. and you can help change lives. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're all called to do is to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I had a friend who used to say this all the time, and I find myself saying it. He would say, the answer is Jesus, so what's your question? <laughs> and and I think at the end of the day, we all know just whether it's the, the stuff that Rafa International is involved with or what we're seeing around the world, the answer is Jesus. Yeah. So what's the question, really? Yeah. And Jesus is always the answer. And, um, and uh, well, Patty, I thank you for being on yeah, here today. My pleasure. I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for learned, learned some things. me. Absolutely. Learn some things and, and, um, and, um, I'll be excited to see, you know, what the next steps are and when, and when that book comes out, let me know. I want (laughs) an autograph copy. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Patty. Thank you. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes in the link for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.